Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the great privilege to be here upon this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. Now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are unreachable for us and destroy all burden that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possessions, all matter of fear, phobias, depressions, destruction, error, ignorance, all of this, may it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray continue to lead it with your mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. God bless you. The book of Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that to pu- you'd put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. We continue to study the truth, revealing the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And this is a decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady. It is a decreeing commandment because to command or to represent the commandments of God is something that only a person that is clothed into the authority of a father of God can do, a messenger of God or God's lips for the church. Only these people are able to present the decreeing commandment of God. No other people are able to present them. I can't present them to you because I am a helper of the pastor. But I can remind us of them. And so this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul. We see here three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we need to put into practice, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. And fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness how important it is to understand these three acts, to put off, be renewed, and put on. And much depends upon these, and how 
we react to these three acts and whether we do them will determine what happens with our salvation and the salvation that we received in the format of a seed receive it as a possession in the form of the fruit of righteousness justification we received in a seed needs to become righteousness the righteous need to perform righteousness and for this he needs to first put something off then renew something and then by confession or using confession he can clothe himself clothe those areas of his life that are still in the state of death this is our body because when we have put off the dead works our spirit has become free from filth then we have renewed our soul came from the state of death into the state of life moved from the state of death into the state of life and now we need to be clothed into confession here we begin to clothe ourselves into the word of God and those areas even right now are still in the state of corruption in the state of death and are subject to all forms of illness and we need to clothe all these areas we see that the Lord cares about our bodies and he reveals then and opens for us the Word of God and we need to put something off renew something and put something on not many of course walk this path and the scriptures say that know that in the last days there will be difficult difficulties and the difficulties of these last days that Apostle Paul wrote about could be cataclysms, global catastrophes, wars, inflation, deflation, all kinds of viruses, epidemics, the fall of the dollar, the euro, uh, euro falling, or the fall of it, the currency. What does it mean that in the last times uh, and so all of these things I listed is not uh, is not what it's referring to even though these things are happening or what ha- will happen uh, people it's specifically talking about people why is it going to be difficult people will be arrogant and prideful disobedient to their parents there's going going to be a lot of wicked in the church and all of these will be this will be in the last days that's what he is referring to when he's saying these evil days difficult days but you may say well these things always existed they did not always exist I don't remember remember when I was a a young boy uh, that things were occurring within the church that they are today churches did not divide the church was as a body as one today churches are dividing one church divides again and again and again and why because the church is in the last days in the difficult days it is overfilled with wicked people who are self-loving lovers of money arrogant prideful this was not in the church I personally don't remember that in my own childhood that this kind of uh, things were taking place and people weren't familiar with the kind of things that are happening in the uh, church today 
the difficult days is people who don't want to put something off and don't want to renew something and don't want to put on something because you need the truth for that and we're given mercy so we know what we need to put off what we need to renew the area of our soul and what we need to clothe and that's our body with the resurrection of Jesus Christ by confessing and so relevant to this we have been studying the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where the confessions that were in the heart of David allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy of praise and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these eight names of the Lord. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these confessions, the confessions of our mouth. May He establish them within our heart. And may He make us worthy of these names. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed, and the measure of our faith, we already studied our lot, looking at the power and the promises contained in the strength of the name of God Most High and the rock of the name of God Most High, the first two names. And when we received the ability to weigh ourselves upon the scales of righteousness, cleansing ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit, by the abilities contained in the lot of the name of God Rock, we now receive the right in Jesus Christ to the lot contained in His name Fortress. And so, to be able to uh, approach God or, or run to God as our fortress can't be, can't happen until we have these two prior qualities and collaborate with the name of God. Uh, you are my strength and my rock. And specifically, in his strength he magnifies his word above all his name and, and the Lord is unchanging he's a strong strong in his name and in rock he speaks of the scales of righteousness and weighing ourselves and we begin to weigh ourselves for what so that the third name can become accessible to us the name of God fortress so we can approach him run to him we need the name of God rock which we have been studying where we weighed ourselves upon the scale plates of the Word of God. For what reason? So that we can become free of all filth, filth of the flesh and filth of the spirit that every person has who is born from or born again or born from above. And the filth of the flesh is drunkenness, filth of the spirit when a person says that the works of his uh, flesh are the works of the spirit. The filth of the flesh may be fornication, filth of the spirit, uh, friendship with, with the enemy, and friendship with the world, which is also filth of the spirit. And people who are in uh, 
friendship with uh, with the world uh, have this filth of the spirit if fornicators are excluded or excommunicated from the church then such thing such other people doing such things also will be excommunicated filth of the flesh murder filth of the spirit jealousy filth of the flesh witchcraft sorcery filth of the spirit disobedience to the authority that God has placed we look at witches sorcerers fortune tellers and we are in fear this is all flesh filth of the flesh masons all kinds of witches the filth of the spirit is when a person that is in the church but does not obey the word of God that is the filth of the spirit which is actually more dangerous fornication for example is bad but friendship with the world is worse and so all of this again is possible by collaborating with the name of God rock and so now that we have approached God uh, in his name fortress God is holy and we will hear much in the word that will be correcting us instructing us fixing our ways right now I'm not shouting and I'm not making facial expressions and I'm not drooling I'm just speaking calmly and there's no reason to do these types of things you can speak calmly and still speak of correction the word of God needs to be spoken in this way and passed on the name of God fortress used in the given prayer psalm the third name of God fortress used in the given prayer psalm as an inherited lot of the Son of God where and by which a person can approach God so that he can know God and be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven containing the oath promises of God it turns out that God our fortress we come to him for what reason we approach him so that we can know him and to know him means to receive the promises receive his seed and having received his seed the promised seed from the preached word we've heard we receive this seed so we can produce fruit and this fruit will be the fruit of Methuselah driving away death in Hebrew the name of God fortress is identified in scripture as God's habitation God's house God's sanctuary unapproachable light in which God dwells the place where man gets to know God the opportunity to be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven the atmosphere of the success of God and joy of God and also the hope of God and trust of God this is what it means fortress where you can find the Lord practically the fortress of God is the place where God abides within the boundaries of which we can know God and be again fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven 
and this place is situated in three unique realms, not just in one or two, but simultaneously in three unique realms. This is the heights of the heavens. In the sanctuary, which identifies the body of Christ, the chosen by God remnant, and the heart of man, who has a humble and contrite spirit, and one who trembles before the preached word of God, spoken by a person <clears throat> who is clothed into the power of a father, and also spoken by the helpers of this person. All of these areas, the heights of the heavens, the sanctuary, and a person who is humble and contrite, who trembles before God. And you cannot approach God if even one of these realms are not correct within our life with, before God or our relationship with it. To have access to heaven or a connection to it, we need to correctly treat the church, the sanctuary. And this is determined by our humble and contrite and trembling spirit before the Word of God. All of these three unique realms, our heart, our church, and the heavens are that place to, to which we run, that to which we approach Him uh, in these three. And so when we come to church, the Lord immediately sees the three in which He is in. That doesn't mean that if you've entered the church, that you have now come to God, but how you, again, your relationship with heaven, the sanctuary, and your own heart, and when all of these are <clears throat> properly within you, then it works, and they're connected. Therefore, the verb run to or approach God as your fortress contains the opportunities giving man the ability to be fertilized with the seed of the promise belonging to the door of our hope in the fruit of which God receives the legitimate ability to join the battle for our body so that he can destroy the stronghold of death within our body and forever thrust the old man from out of our body with noise by the armor, trust, and foundation known. <clears throat> again, we, we approach God for what reason here? Again, to allow God to be fertilized with the seed of the word of God. And why do we fertilize ourselves with the seed of promise? And we, we do this by receiving the Word of God, and we do this so that we can produce fruit, the fruit of the promise. And the Lord then, using this fruit, this born son, using Methuselah, and Methuselah cannot be born in your spirit if the Lord is not my fortress. And He can't be your fortress if He If he is, he can't be the Lord that is my fortress. If he's not the Lord my rock, and if and if he's not the Lord my rock, he can't be the Lord my strength. And so when I approach him, I get to know him. I receive his promised word, and I bear Methuselah, who then receives the ability, and the Lord receives the ability because of Methuselah, the fruit that I have produced to perform victory within my essence. And so now let's look at the phrase to run to or approach is in Hebrew. Again, to run to or approach God means to approach the altar, commence to know God, enter the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, resort to God's help, 
find yourself in the fortress of God, being fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, and grow fruit for God. <clears throat> and so all of these areas speak of the fact that we have a good co connection or the, the legitimate connection with ha the heights of the heavens, with the sanctuary and our spirit. We can't produce fruit to God or be fertilized if we are not in his, in his sanctuary. And being in his sanctuary, we approach the altar and upon this altar we get to know God. All this happens when you correctly collaborate with God. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to or to approach Him, then as a result of such contact, we will always have a corresponding fruit in that area in which we approached God. Considering this, as with the previous names of God, we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one of the areas of our life does not in any way mean that it is automatically guaranteed to be present in the given name in other areas of our life. Since according to the statements of Scripture for the presence of the fortress of God, every individual area of our life needs to be brought to proper condition where the power of God would be able to reproduce the fruit of the fortress in the area in the form of our salvation. And so again, the area in which I run to God, I approach God, so that I could establish salvation in that area, we need to bring it to proper condition before God. Therefore, it is specifically us and every individual area of our essence, we are responsible for creating such an atmosphere which would be able to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere called to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart, able to receive the seed of the Word of God and grow fruit corresponding to the nature of the seed we have received. The right atmosphere when we come to God, I come to God, my heart needs to be good. Good so that my heart can receive the seed of the Word of God and bear fruit to God. And then the Lord, using this fruit, can perform victory in my life, in my body. For example, healing. You would like to receive maybe healing immediately, approach pastor, he'll pray for you and he'll be healed. But the Lord has a different option, a greater option. As our uh, Apostle Arkady says, the greater option, the better standard of healing when we receive it in the form of fruit, not when we receive it as a gift. Pastor pray, of course he will pray, he's the Father. But it's better to receive the word and to receive the word, you need to have the right atmosphere to receive that word. <clears throat> it's not just, Lord, uh, Pastor, pray for me, let me confess. Why? Because I want to be healed. But it turns out that healing begins with repentance. It is according to Scripture, yes. And so we repent, we clean our heart from dead works, and then we receive healing and begin to proclaim the not-existent healing as already existent. Thank God and grow it within your heart. It's very important to create, when we talk about 
Lord being our fortress, the atmosphere is that needs to be good. And so every church, every service we have, God's atmosphere is present. We came today from our day of work, and likely those areas of work had different atmospheres, maybe conflicts and other issues that may be within that area. But we came here into the church, into the service, and what do we do? We level out the atmosphere within us with the one that's in the church, and the atmosphere in the church needs to be the same as the one that is in heaven. And so, I see some churches and it's hard for me to imagine Jesus behaving such ways in church. Even a person who is born again, when they look at icons, pictures, and and then they look at the hooligans in, in the charismatic services, they say we couldn't even have imagined there could be such a thing in heaven. We don't want this kind of heaven. The church needs to be the mirror of the atmosphere of what is in heaven. And for this purpose, just as we studied the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we need to study the following series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God Fortress? Second, what purpose is our inherited lot contained in the name of God Fortress called to fulfill in realizing our salvation? Third, what price is required to be paid so that we can give God the ability to be our fortress? And fourth, by what results do we determine that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling? Let us look at that first question, what characteristics and categories, and this will of course take some time, And we will continue to study these, of course, until either our pastor returns. So first question, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God Fortress? The characteristics, where can we find it, this name of God Fortress? And the first identification of the Fortress of God, giving us the right to approach God in Jesus Christ so that He can adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, is specifically God Himself. But the God that is in His greatness and in the might of His Word coming from His mouth. That is the God we come to. That that is the God we approach. The God who demonstrates his greatness and his might in his word that comes from his mouth. Deuteronomy 33:27. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. And so God he is the eternal God And he is the word that comes out of his mouth. We need to apprehend well that according to scripture, the thing we consider our fortress and the thing we run to and the thing we approach is our God, is our worship, our trust, our calling, and our ultimate goal. 
therefore the person for whom God is a fortress will dwell in the secret place of the eternal strong arm of God, which means that this person will live in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Being under the strong arm of God is to live in his secret place and under his shadow. Psalm 91, 1-2 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. And to identify a person living in the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, who says of the Lord, My refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust, we need to know that first such a person, when deciding what is good and what is evil will not be looking at his own or someone else's perceptions, but at the revelations of the Holy Spirit based upon the written word by being instructed in faith. And second, such a person when determining and differentiating the revelations of the Holy Spirit from products and excrements of the human mind will look at the abilities of the mind of Christ. <clears throat> this is a person for whom God is a fortress, these two qualities he will have. He will not look when determining what is good and evil what uh, at the as his own perceptions or at the perceptions of others, but he will be looking at the mind of Christ. We are identifying who is this person who can live under the shadow of the Almighty and the secret place of the Most High. If you ask, who is this person, are you in the secret place, are you under the shadow of the Almighty? You will say, yes. And that doesn't mean just because you're in the church you are. When you determine or decide what is good and evil, do you look at your own perceptions or somebody else's? And we're not talking about when we're talking about somebody else, we're not talking about a person whom God has placed. We're talking about anybody other than that. We instead turn to the mind of Christ and he opens the mind of Christ to us by his person. That's how I can determine what is good and what is evil and that I am in the secret place and under the shadow of the Almighty. And also what abilities I use, my own, someone else's, or being within the order of God, I Thank God that he can reveal the mind of Christ to me by his messenger, by his person, because it is specifically this ability and this quality that differentiates people who approach God as their fortress from people approaching or running to the abilities of their intellect. Because every time we attempt to interpret the Holy Scriptures with our own mind, we dispute and do not acknowledge the fact that any prophetic truth in Scripture is a demonstration of the reasonable abilities of God and not the reasonable abilities of a man. Practically, a person trusting upon their flesh is in the form of the abilities of their mind and will, when it comes to knowing the truth, rejects God as their fortress and becomes in the likeness of a man who with their behavior says to God, who is the Almighty and that I should serve Him and what profit do we have if we pray to Him? Job 21.15 We need to know that every time when it comes to knowing the truth, if we turn to our intellectual abilities or the intellectual abilities of another person, 
apart from the pastor, we place our mind equal to the mind of God, and in this way, we certainly are not approaching God, but instead, the reasonable abilities of our soul, elevating them in rank as our fortress and our own God. Acknowledging the authority of the Word of God in allowing any prophetic truth in Scripture is possible with the mind of Christ, who represents the Holy Spirit within our spirit, upon the condition, of course, that we, upon the condition of Scripture, allow Him, the Holy Spirit, to rule and live within our born spirit. 2 Peter 1.19-21 And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke, as they were as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and so to be moved by the Holy Spirit is possible when we have the prophetic word confirmed and it is good it says that you turn to it and so we look at the thummim, the Word of God and we put it in our heart and and the Apostle says it's good that you do that that you turn to the Word of God the preached word the teaching as a lamp and now the Holy Spirit can then move and reveal then the meanings of these words. To be moved by the Holy Spirit means, this is not just talking about apostles or prophets, this is talking about us. How are we able to be moved by the Holy Spirit? And this is when we uh, are regarding the prophetic word, we are paying attention to the prophetic word. To be, to be moved by the Holy Spirit means to be directed and led by the Holy Spirit or to be a performer of His will, which upon practice means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, to be moved by the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not when I begin to pray loud or in tongues. Oh, what kind of church? Oh, we prayed all so well together today. But praying loudly does not mean that you are closer to God. The decibels don't determine this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, as we see here, is being filled with God's commandments. This is live according to the Word. The scriptures say that these people uh, that we talked about prior, people that will be uh, arrogant that will will be and have all these things they'll have the look of godliness but will deny it and so all those who truly desire to live godly they will be persecuted and says in scripture and so being filled with the Holy Spirit is be a doer of his will performer of his will and his commandments therefore every time when interpreting the scriptures a person dares to call the fruit of his own mind as the revelation of the Holy Spirit, he in this way does not only place his mind equal to God's mind, but also as it is, portrays the fruit of his foolishness as if it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And in this way, unaccountable to himself, he places his mind as his fortress before God, 
and such foolishness and such audacity would only be allowed by a person with an uncircumcised heart and mind. In result of this, such a person will reap what he has sown, or else he signs for himself a death sentence by the hands of the uncircumcised and dies the death of the uncircumcised, as it is written. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. Ezekiel 26.10 And all of these uncircumcised, the alien, these are in us. This is governing sin. We can't overcome them. We can't defeat them if we place our mind equal to God's. <clears throat> and so to not put your mind equal to God's mind is say, Lord, you are my fortress. <clears throat> and he is our fortress because he has demonstrated his greatness, his might through his word, which I have received. And so when I allow the Holy Spirit to move within me, within the word that I have received, and I am filled with the Holy Spirit by fulfilling God's commandments. How do you determine whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit or you're led by it? It's not how I can explain it or interpret it. To interpret many things, I can use my talents even, but this says nothing about the Spirit of Christ. When people live according to the Word of God fulfilling His commandments, this means that they correctly have received them and have correctly understood them. Because for God, <clears throat> the better we understand and receive the truth, we can then restate it. Our life is the best sermon. Because of the impact of the truth of the cross of Christ, the mind of a man experiences circumcision that is not of man's hands, and in this way, a person renews his mind with the spirit of his mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. After this, our mind with reverence and trembling acts or behaves at the disposal of the mind of Christ. The mind of a man that has experienced circumcision not made of man's hands will never claim to interpret the scriptures with the abilities of his mind and especially not ascribe to himself the authorship of the Holy Spirit. It's important to remember this. How do I determine that I have a circumcised heart, a circumcised mind? I will not ascribe myself anything and I will not claim authorship to the works of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Philippians 3.3 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Therefore, if we want God to truly be our fortress, then when interpreting the Word of God, we need to run to God by listening to the preached Word of the messengers of God and be very careful in our statements about interpreting the Holy Scriptures. <clears throat> this was the first identification. We need to be very careful again in our statements about interpretation or interpreting the Holy Scriptures. When you're asked a question, don't try to immediately answer the question because sometimes a person is not looking for the answer. 
Sometimes when the question a person asks you is also the answer. And sometimes you know that this an a question that somebody's asking you is not from their heart. Don't be hasty to respond before you understand more. If the Lord is our fortress, then in our statements, when it comes to scripture, we will always be careful or treat it with care. Not being hasty. As sometimes our leaders and pastors say, uh, our assistant pastors, they say, they, they will get questions maybe in the cell groups that they may not uh, completely understand or know. They tell the member that let's wait and let's see what pastor says. And, and often he may respond to that question within the next couple of services. If the Lord has allowed us to qu ask these questions, he will also answer them. And so, if you know that when at the time of, of Christ, people would ask him the questions, uh, they would ask questions uh, of him of t different things, and uh, Jesus would ask questions too. And uh, when he would ask questions, the disciples would say, Lord, you know uh, the answers to these things. For example, as the table with the showbreads, where they would have the t table of showbreads, and they would leave them for a certain amount of time, and then they would remove them, eat them, and put fresh uh, loaves, fresh cakes, fresh breads, uh, which meant that sometimes you need to lay, let it lie and let it wait uh, to be able to receive your response or your answer. And so having the humility and know that the Lord will answer it, either uh Either the a pastor will respond to it or his helpers when they're uh, speaking of the word. Second, identification of the fortress of God will be the good hand of God for us. Ezra 8.22 The hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. We conclude that if a person does not possess the right to the power to run to God as his fortress to be fertilized or fertilize himself with the seed of the truth by listening to the preached word of his messengers, then God's hand, when it comes to this person, will not be a hand for good, but the might of his wrath. <coughs> the word for good, when it comes to man, means favor toward man for his good to do good for him and lead him into the atmosphere of his healing peace. This is a favorable hand of God <clears throat> stretched out in favor to you, opened up in, in favor. The scriptures typically imply specific acts of God when it's speaking of such a hand of God, the role of which forever and always belongs and will belong to the Holy Spirit. This hand of God is the Holy Spirit. These are the works of God. The role of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us remember these roles. God's hand, God's favor, hand of favor, His good hand, is the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Father? It is... The role of the Father includes producing and expressing His creative thoughts. In essence, the thought of the Father is His closed and concealed Word, eternally, eternally abiding in the sacred entrails of His mysterious darkness, which is in, in the unapproachable light. <clears throat> and so the Father is the thought, 
This is the concealed and closed word of God. And so who is the Father? The Father is the thought. This is the concealed and closed word. And now the Son, the role of the Son, includes clothing the concealed and closed thought of God into word. Clothe it into word. Because the word of God, the Son Jesus Christ, is the opened or revealed thought of God or revealed desire of God. No one has ever seen God because God is the thought. The Son, He has seen because He has revealed, has opened up this thought, who His Father is. The role of the Holy Spirit includes first delivering this thought and delivering this word to the appointed place, and second, performing this word at the time that God requires. The Father has the concealed and closed word in his thought, the Son then reveals and opens up this with his word, by by having it become word, thought becoming word, and then the Spirit delivers this this thought and word at the appoint to the appointed place at the appointed time at the required time and so each one performs their will or, or performs their role within within uh, the will of the father and so you may ask well why do we need all three why does each need to be performing their own individual role and if you, if the Father, being the great God and Father, He is, <clears throat> He is the thought. He has a lot of mystery in Himself, and He reveals only that which I need to know. To the Holy Spirit, He reveals everything because the Holy Spirit, His goal, is to deliver it to the right place at the right time. Rebecca for Isaac and for this you need all of the depths of God the spirit penetrates all into all the depths and so a very unique hand of God his Holy Spirit now let us look at how we need to collaborate with this good hand of God and so the role of God again is the thought the concealed thought the role of the Son is the opened up thought has that has now become word and the role of the Holy Spirit, he delivers it and performs it, makes it happen. Let us look at the good hand of God. Do we have this Holy Spirit? Again, the second identification of the fortress of God is the good hand of God, who is the Holy Spirit that will be doing specific work in us. The good hand of God, the Holy Spirit, doing the work of God within us. And so let us look at whether we have the good hand of God. First, the good hand of God can and is called to become our fortress when we have a continual longing and fatal-like fatal thirst to know God and His Word. So continual longing and fatal-like thirst to know God and his word and so how can I approach God we've been studying how to approach God how to run to God 
standing here the Holy Spirit so that he become for us this good hand of God the good hand of God is for all those who approach him and this uh, the condition is you need to have the continual longing a continual longing and fatal like thirst to know God and his word second the good hand of God can and is called to become our fortress when we prepare our heart to listen to the word and meditate about the word that we have heard third the good hand of God can and is called to become our fortress when we confess before God before ourselves and before men the word that we meditate about and fourth the good hand of God can and is called to become our fortress when we in our prayers place ourselves in voluntary dependence of the Holy Spirit so that he can do all that we meditate about and he can do all that we confess Four requirements so that the good hand of God can be ours. We need to have thirst and yearning. We need to come to the place that God requires and prepare ourselves to listen to it. And when we listen to it, we need to meditate about it. And when we meditate about it, we confess it. And by confessing, we renew our mind with the spirit of our mind. That means that what I heard And so possibly there may have been already some standards in my mind or, or, and I throw those out when I receive the truth and place the new information, the right information, uh, and replace that with, with the right information, put it in its place. And in this way, I renew my mind. Practically, these four consecutive acts coming one from the other are called to identify any prayer. Psalm 143.10 Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. The land of uprightness implies the fortress of God within our body. This is specifically where the Holy Spirit will lead us if he sees that the fortress in our heart is God of the ancient days. Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. People who refuse to be led by the Holy Spirit for the benefit of being led by their own mind lose their right to be called or to be children of God, due to which are not, are not accountable to themselves, they will refuse to then have their fortress be the good hand of God. And so the first, we identified the Father. Second, we've identified the Son the Holy Spirit, and the third identification of the fortress of God is our belonging to the nation which comes from the promised seed of Abraham. Psalm 91, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. The Lord is our dwelling place in all generations. Typically, every time the scriptures have such a turn of phrase as in all generations, then this means the secession or continuum of the promises of God in the imperishable seed of the faith of Abraham. Romans 9, 6 through 8. Here we will be looking at what this means in all generations. What generations is it referring to? Romans 9, 6 through 8. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. 
but in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. This place of scripture speaks of two forms of inheritance contained in two programs within man, which we, which we receive upon two genetic levels from different wellsprings of their, origin, of their origination, either from flesh, again, either from the flesh of Abraham or from the spirit of Abraham. And the program we choose and establish within our life is the nature of inheritance we will inherit. If we select the inheritance of Abraham, the wellspring of which is the flesh, we will reap corruption. If we select the inheritance of Abraham, the wellspring of which is his faith, in the seed of promise, in Isaac, we will reap eternal life within our body in the form of the stronghold of life. Today, the entire Christian world is divided between those who are born from the servant and the one who is born from the free one. The one that is born from the free one is determined by the promise they have. A tragedy happens in one family and another. And the one and the other says, thank you, God, for our church, for the truth, and that the church supported us. And you ask the one, what promises were you being supported with? They maybe gave me gave us phone calls, sent us flowers and support, <clears throat> and so they're thankful for that kind. But the other had the actual promise, specific promise, the word, the hope to specific promises of God. Abraham had two forms of seed. But what forms of seed? One only can allow you to approach God. And so again, if we select the inheritance of Abraham, the wellspring of which is his faith in the seed of promise in Isaac, we will reap eternal life within our body in the form of the stronghold of life. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due, in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. The succession or continuum of the program of eternal life, as well as the program of eternal death, consists in the fact that actually God passes them on to us using one person, and as a result from this one person, he then continues them from one generation to the next generation. Galatians 3.13 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Just as in one Eden there were two trees that were planted, the tree of life and the tree of death, it is the same with the, per the person called Abraham, who symbolizes Eden, he had two different seeds, the seed of promise and the seed of the flesh, containing two contrary and fighting one another programs, which can continue in two contrary to one another nations. When we receive salvation, two types of seed arise in our body, the seed of promise containing the program of eternal life and the carnal seed containing the, containing the program of corruption. And the nature of seed we give preference to, that nature of seed will produce fruit for us. 
corresponding to the nature of seed which we have given preference to. Not just in church. In church we have these two forms of seed, two natures of seed. This is also when a person is born again and who we, what we give preference to in our essence. <clears throat> Furthermore, for the succession or continuum of the seed of promise, it is necessary to reject your belonging to the nation of Abraham by flesh, just as Abraham rejected his nation by flesh. Genesis 12, 1-3 Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessings and curses are placed in dependence of our behavior toward Eden, in the form of Abraham whom God has made a representative of his fortress for all who believe. And so we, as Abraham, make a decision to be part of the right nation. And for this, <clears throat> Abraham needed to leave the house of his father. He left his father. And Pharaoh, his, his, uh, his father, uh, when they had when they had come out of their land, they parted, and he had to leave his father, if you remember, because his father uh, didn't want to pay the price. He said, you go uh, and continue on. I will remain here because this is not for me. And Abraham did leave and went to the land that the Lord had told him about. And his father died, and Abraham God used him to give us this great nation. And we don't see that he made he don't we don't see that he had named himself the God of his father or the God of something else, but just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob wanted to collaborate with the nation of God. We know that Isaac and Jacob, all of them need to needed to pass through this form of death and life. Fourth, identification of the fortress of God is the city of God, the holy place of the Most High. Psalm 46, 1 through 4. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. We need to consider that each time it is referring to the right to come to God for help, consisting in the fortress of God, then it means that this name includes and contains one of the three specific places of God where God abides and is a fortress for us. And so what is the specific place? This is a sanctuary. Here we're seeing that our fortress is the city of God, the holy house of God, most high on earth. We're studying here the sanctuary. 
every name of God contains the specific quality of God, independence of the type of help that we are specifically in need of. Every name of God contains our identity with God, similar to the identi identity of the Son and the Father. Every name of God contains our destiny and purpose in God and with God. Every name of God contains our power and our ability, which corresponds to the power of God. And all of this is in the sanctuary. Lord, you are my fortress, which is the city of God, the holy house of God. And as we read, this is being identified with God. This is the destiny and purpose we have in God. This is the power and abilities we have in God and with God. In the given situation, the fortress of God for every saved by God person is the city of God, the holy house of the Most High in the form of the Holy Jerusalem. Revelations 21, 9, 10. Come, I will show you the bride, the, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the Holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. A person that does not have and does not comprehend his organic membership to the great mountain and this great city is not able to approach or run to God as his fortress. Having an organic membership, not just to the city, but also this mountain. Psalm 121.1, a song of ascents. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. <clears throat> in this psalm, the power to the right to approach God as your fortress is illustrated in the ascent to the temple of God in Jerusalem, which is situated upon the mountains, the symbol of which are the oath promises of God. Whereas Jerusalem, it is upon the mountains, <clears throat> and these are God's oath promises. And not every church is able to be this because there are synagogue of Satan. The synagogue of Satan has no oath promises of God. Jerusalem, you need to ascend to go to Jerusalem. It is upon God's mountain, upon its Zion. This means that Jerusalem, one of its qualities, is that God's oath promises will be there. And God's oath promises are not promises that you will be prosperous, that you will not get sick, you're going to have a wonderful wife or husband, you'll be successful. This promise, these are, these are worldly promises. Oath promises are promises that are in heaven and are being kept in heaven and are ready to be revealed in the last times. And so Jerusalem is because of the what it is, it has the oath promises of God. And so these other uh, blessings, pros prosperity and others, they serve these oath promises for which Jesus needed to die. He didn't die. Jesus didn't need to die to heal people because he would approach people and heal them. And the very people who healed him then wanted to crucify him. Or, or the very people he healed wanted to then crucify him. And so Jerusalem, again, is 
uh, upon mountains, and mountains are God's oath promises, they are spiritual blessings. And so today, if you have a chance, even just click around a little bit and see what others are saying in their sermons, practicing spiritual gifts, prosperity, signs and miracles, this is where people uh, strive to, this is what people look for, this is where they're trying to get their glory. And so the Lord, uh, uh, there are things that, uh, of course, that s- surprise God and please God. And these are, this is when we produce the fruits of the Spirit. Things like what they're searching for do not surprise God or please Him. Therefore, lifting your eyes to the hills, the place where Jerusalem is situated and named Zion, means lifting your eyes to the oath promises of God, which are the holy foundation for the great and holy city Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb, representing the fortress of God. For every saved person, Jerusalem, in the form of the fortress of God, is to be a specific church of saints, where we have ended up because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and because we were instructed in faith, we received the seed of the kingdom of heaven, Hebrews 10.25-27, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, assembling of ourselves together as it is the manner of some, but extorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Your church, that you are not to leave or forsake, And so, as we know, when somebody wants to become a member, he gives a person three months to be able to attend and allow him to also attend other places uh, to be able to make a good decision, a solid decision of where he would like to be. And go to uh, different churches. It could be in different languages, different whatever it may be. But when a person makes a covenant with his church, then it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of some. Your church, your assembly, is the fortress of God where we receive growth of ourselves in the body of Christ because when a person when a person forsakes uh, his assembly, he cannot uh, grow. He can't have any growth. It's like you plant a, f- a flower and you water it and the child comes and plucks it out, then puts it back in the earth, then plucks it out again. It's not going to have any growth because you keep uh, leaving and coming back. There's no... And so when you keep moving it to other locations or you keep plucking it out and putting it back in, the flower is going to die. This person will and likewise. And so your church is the fortress of God where we receive growth of ourselves in the body of Christ. A person that leaves his church leaves the fortress of God and in doing so loses the right and ability to run to or to approach God and furthermore loses these the things he worked for. This means he loses the ability to come to power over his calling to rule with the reasonable abilities of his new person 
over the reasonable abilities of the will and emotions of his soul. Second John 1 8 Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. And when you lose the things you worked for is when a person loses or leaves their church. They lose what they worked for. And they leave for without a reason. There may be, of course, traveling or something for work. That's a very different thing. A person can watch, say, the, the sermons on the television. Uh, a person is still uh, organically connected and part of the church. We're talking here about a person without reason abandoning and leaving. The first most calling of each saved person is to adopt his body by the redemption of Christ into a fortress of God, which for us is our for us is our church. <clears throat> Only after receiving and apprehending the given promises by the preached word do we become able to run to God or as to our fortress to fulfill the purpose of light and be a net of the kingdom of heaven for ourselves, for our house, and for the people that surround us. The Lord will be for us. He will be our fortress if we will not abandoning, will not be abandoning our church, our place. Fifth, identification of the fortress of God is the altar of the Lord, which we are called to approach so that we can serve in the sanctuary, in the temple of our body. And so we have seen that the fortress is God the Father. This is the good hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit. This is the nation of God, the service where the oath promises are, your, the assembling of yourself, your church, and here, this is the altar of the Lord, where we can go, which we can approach, where we can serve in the sanctuary, in the temple of our body. I remember we used to have a song where we would sing, uh, at the cross, we stand at the cross, we do this and that, and Pastor had to correct that within the song because it's inaccurate that we are on the cross with Christ and not at the cross, we are on the cross with Him because the ones that are chosen are on the cross, the, the, uh, the called are the ones that are at the cross. And so let us look at Psalm 43, 4, 5. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. The atmosphere around this altar is exceeding joy. The God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The altar of the Lord, serving as a fortress of God for us, is our heart what kind of heart cleansed from dead works with the imprinted truth upon its tablets the elementary teaching of jesus christ this is the altar of the lord this is our heart our conscience cleansed from dead works with the imprinted truth upon its tablets 
the elementary teaching of Christ. When the motives and goals of our heart correspond to the demands of the will of God, we receive the ability to know God so that we can be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven. Knowing God, where we receive the ability to be fertilized with the imperishable seed of the kingdom of heaven by the preached word of the messengers of God, is called to happen within the atmosphere of joy and gladness. Before the altar of God becomes our fortress in God, the atmosphere of joy and gladness within our hearts formed formed from the consistency of the promises of God is called to become a fortress for the Holy Spirit where God can receive the legitimate ability to get to know us. Very interesting. It turns out that the altar, the motives of our heart, And so the the altar is where is where God gets to know you and you get to know God. Upon this altar, there needs to be an atmosphere of joy and gladness. And the question, what is the reason for this joy and gladness? And when someone asks you, what's this joy and gladness? Do you see what's happening in your country, where we're all going? In your heart, you have the oath promises of God, and when you have joy and gladness, because of these oath promises of God, this is a fortress for the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit is within this atmosphere of joy and gladness, then this allows then God to know us, get to know us. It turns out the altar is the place where the Father knew knew the Son. He knows this church. There where we unite with Him, we come together with Him, the atmosphere of joy and gladness, which happens because of the oath promises of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to come to this joy and gladness, which is based upon the Word of God, and allows God then to know us, and us know God. The atmosphere of unearthly joy and gladness, how do you create this atmosphere of unearthly joy and gladness? is called to be examined by our behavior toward the carriers of righteousness as well as the carriers of lawlessness. And so you see, it seems, oh, well, now joy becomes a little dimmer. Uh, So it turns out that, but it's not, because it's not based on emotion, this joy and gladness. Hebrews 1, 7 through 9, And of the angels he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness more than your companions. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Our heart can be a fortress for God only in the situation when our indignation against the wicked and the traitor elevated to the level of fury is equal to your level of love for carriers of the righteousness of God. Turns out that this atmosphere we create in our heart this, this atmosphere makes our heart a fortress for God. 
we talked about how where where is the fortress of God we saw in heaven in Zion Zion in the sanctuary we see it in the altar as well the altars in our heart it's inside of us we inside of us, ourselves we need to have this atmosphere of, of joy and gladness and the, the our measure of joy and gladness uh, or how much of it we have d- depends upon our hatred toward lawlessness and love for righteousness and those who, the carriers of it. Isaiah 63, 5, I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury, it sustained me. The Lord found the helper in the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is His right hand. And so we are in Jesus Christ, and we also can create this atmosphere. Our indignation for the wicked elevated in level to fury will separate us from the wicked as the weeds and chaff at the time of harvest is separated from the wheat so that we can be placed into the storehouse of our Heavenly Father called to become our fortress not demonstrating the holiness of God in His wrath against the wicked to separate ourselves from the unclean and lawless men, we will inherit then the same portion that the wicked are called to inherit. Judges 5.23 Here, Barak and Deborah, Judges 5.23, Curse Meros, says the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants, bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Meros is a city in the land of Nephtali, whose inhabitants refused to come to Deborah's and Barak's aid against Sisera, the commander of the Canaanite army, King Jabin, who treated Israel harshly for 20 years. Psalm 139, 21, 22, 21 through 22. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. This is a psalm. This is a psalm of joy and gladness right here. Who would be able to see this joy and gladness where God shows himself the atmosphere? where we demonstrate the holiness of the Lord. Holiness toward those that are vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. And when we create this atmosphere, that means that then the Holy Spirit considers us an altar and we can then get to know God and the God can get to know us. And this final characteristic being the altar of the Lord, the fortress of the Lord is the altar of the Lord. And so, this fortress for God is within our body. We need to value our body. And let's remember that it turns out that our our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we need to create an atmosphere for Him that is acceptable, where the Lord would be able to get to know us, and we would get to know Him. Let us be blessed in our prayer. Let us bend our heads and pray, and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you because you are a God of strength. You have magnified your name above all your name. We thank you that you are 
our rock. You're unchanging in your word. You are immovable in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear today the word of God. And because of the commandments we hear, we can evaluate ourselves and free ourselves of all filth. The filth of the flesh, filth of the spirit. We thank you, Lord, that we can prepare our heart, that we can be this altar, and <clears throat> we can create an atmosphere of joy and gladness. And for this, we pray that you continue to teach us from your holy temple. Teach us your holy commandments, your holy word, to instruct us, correct us, fix our ways, and show us our wonderful future. We thank you, Father, for the atmosphere of joy and gladness. We thank you, Lord, that our motives, the motives of our heart, correspond to your godly will. We thank you that you have magnified your word in heaven, in the temple, and in ourselves, in the temple of our own body, above all your names. And we treat this word with great importance and we hunger for this word and we bow ourselves before this word, we tremble before this word that you give to us today where you have allowed us to, uh, which you have allowed us to learn and submerge into. You are the God who is our fortress. We run to you. We pray that you become our fortress, that you allow us to honor you, to honor your Holy Spirit so that your hand your good and favor and hand of favor would be upon us not in wrath but in your goodness in your favor allow us to turn to your words turn to your words like a lamp that's in a dark place until the full dawning of the day so that the holy spirit would be able to show us good we thank you that today we could be led by the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit by being filled with the commandments of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us today to find your fortress in the temple of our body. You have allowed us to find our fortress in the house and the body of Christ in your church. We thank you, Lord, for our church for this organic membership and that every time when we come to this place we submerge into your godly atmosphere the atmosphere of your word and we thank you we thank you for that word that has been had been concealed within your entrails and the word that was that was concealed and closed that you revealed it to us in your son Jesus Christ which he has opened up for us and made the thought the word and we received this opened up word we thank you that our intellect is it is not the abilities of our intellect our soul to open up your truth your mystery but your word the word your son and the messengers whom you whom you have sent who represent your delegation we thank you that today we have the Word of God and that we look to the Word of God the opened up and revealed Word of God and you with your good hand allow us to fulfill 
this word so that it can become joy in us. Thank you for your oath promises that we can ascend to Mount Zion and be in Jerusalem. We thank you that today in the service we have your oath promises. We have those promises for the sake of which you died and resurrected. And today we thank you and we trust upon this hope that you have put at the door this door of hope and it is based upon your word the foundation of your word and so our trust is confident because it is upon a strong foundation the foundation of your word your truth your teaching and we today ascend and we lift up our eyes upon your oath promises and we thank you for the resurrection of Christ in our bodies we thank you that you have bore our spirit and that our spirit is inherent to you it is in your likeness thank you that you have saved us and that you spread your salvation from our spirit you spread your salvation from our spirit and you cleanse us by your word you cleanse us from all dead works because the presence of dead works within our heart does not allow the Holy Spirit to work and this will bring to death then not just our body but our spirit and soul and spirit as well we today free ourselves from the chaff of the flesh but also the chaff of the spirit we free ourselves from all friendship with this world in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ we free ourselves from false the false uh, form of being filled with the Holy Spirit when we uh, claim that what's in us is the work of the Holy Spirit we free ourselves from the filth of the Spirit all any disobedience to your word we obey ourselves to your word and we come to this place with thirst we come to this place with the readiness to hear your word we come to this place with the readiness to meditate about your word and renew our mind with the word that we hear upon this place so that we can confess it with our mouth and clothe ourselves into the power of the resurrection of Christ may the boundaries of our land be filled with your light and your life and your resurrection we thank you Lord and we receive this promise we establish it for ourselves and our body we pray Lord for all those people who are in need of your godly touch and your healing we thank you for your good hand that you give healing for good and not for punishment we thank you that you give us these great oath promises and it is part of that we thank you that this these oath promises that they rise within us as the sunlight as the dawn of the sun and we receive this for our body these oath promises we receive your healing for our, we receive your healing for ourselves for the saints that are in need of it in your godly healing we thank you for your care about our spirit soul and our body you said that you will keep us in wholeness without blemish until the time of your coming we thank you for the word that we have heard we thank you for those revelations for those thoughts that are within your heart and that you have placed in the heart of your messenger we know Lord that you did not just give them in vain 
and as you have placed these thoughts into the heart of our pastor, our Apostle Brother Akadi, we turn to the power of the Word of God so that the revelations that were placed from your heart into His heart in the name of your Son Jesus Christ because of the power and authority of your Word may they sound from the mouth of your messenger and may he be restored before you and may you show your great sign upon this holy person we thank you that you strengthen him and make him well we thank you for the thoughts you've put into his heart let them sound and be made known to us by him so that the holy spirit can make them active in our hearts so that we be clothed into the power of life and resurrection. We, with hunger, wait for your word, for your revelation, and we pray that you shame your enemies, that you shame the daughters of the Philistines that today rejoice and are glad but Lord this is temporary we thank you Lord for the upright joy in your coming that allows us to be clothed into your holiness and calls forth your severity upon the vessels of wrath and your mercy upon the vessels of mercy we receive your mercy in the service and in the coming services our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and dominion majesty and dominion power both now and forever amen